0: Hello and welcome to the Business Behind Sport podcast series from Ankura, the global expert services and advisory firm. I'm Richa Patel, a director in the Risk Forensics and Compliance team at Ankura. In this series, my colleague John Brown, Senior Managing Director and the head of the Risk Forensics and Compliance practice in the UK, will be talking to industry leaders to explore their perspectives and insights on a variety of current topics and themes relating to the business side of sport. In this episode, John is joined by Yannette Pogita, a managing director in Ankura's data and technology team in London, to speak about her inspiring adventure rowing three thousand miles across the Atlantic Ocean in the Talisca Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. They speak about how she balanced preparation for the trip around daily life, the highs and lows of forty days on the water, and some direct lessons in teaming in the workplace that Yannette's experience has provided.
1: So, you know, thanks for joining us today. Firstly, um, let's talk about your professional background. So, you're a managing director in the data and technology team with Ankara in London. Could you tell us a bit about what that entails?
2: Thank you very much for having me, Jonathan. I specialize in e discovery and data analytics, um, effectively helping our clients find the best solution to address their requirements. Um, in other words, help clients find evidence, facts, or insights from their data. That can be unstructured data, so for example, emails and chats, um, or structured data such as financial systems. So think about litigation, investigations, disputes, or sometimes just dashboarding to, to reflect information that, that would actually help the client understand their data. Um, as part of the leadership team, I also have a lead role in ops, uh, including resourcing, team management, and then mentoring coaching for about 60 people
1: within my team. Great. And, and how long have you been working in this field?
2: I was concerned you're going to ask that question because if I say 16 years, that makes me sound very old. But I've, I've been in this industry for 16 years now, um, started in the Netherlands, and I came over to the UK and have been here for about 14 years now.
1: And you joined the One Ocean Crew in mid-July 2020, I think. What is the One Ocean Crew and what is it that inspired you to join in?
2: So One Ocean Crew is a team of four women that rode across the Atlantic in December 2021. We took part in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Um, so that's 36 boats with 107 rowers that raced from La Gomera and the Canary Islands across to Antigua. Um, and we finished in January, on the 21st of January, actually. So that's what the One Ocean Crew was. And um, the question about what inspired me to join them, to be dead honest with you, I had no other choice because I couldn't find anyone else that actually wanted to row the Atlantic with me. Um, so it was more the the attraction of finding three like-minded ladies that had the same goal and the same dream to row across the Atlantic. And we found each other online, like most people find each other these days.
1: <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, knowing how much I struggled to get to the gym, how on earth did you fit in training for this around your work?
2: In all honesty, I say for the first time that COVID was actually um, helpful in this. Um, because we, we as a team came together in July of 2020 very much in lockdown so we all got to know each other on zoom we all got our rowing machines in our living rooms and we all started rowing so instead of actually traveling into work before work and then traveling back um, that time I would sit on my rowing machine and just row um, I joined the mass where I got a lot of Kit for for gym and my flat as well. So kettlebells and weights, just to do the weights training. So everything around that pre and post work, and then maybe sometimes at lunch times as well. I spent a lot of time on a rowing machine. I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> okay, tell us about the crossing.
2: So the crossing um, was such a humbling experience. Um, If you think about, we were trying to get sponsorship to to complete the row because it's quite expensive to buy a boat, get all of your care together and then get your food and everything sorted for the row. Um, A lot of people helped us. A lot of people dug really deep in their pockets and and actually made us hit our um, target and we could actually take part in the row. So quite a humbling experience. Um, It also makes you realise how insignificant you are. If you're in the middle of the Atlantic, you have we kind of call it the the snow globe effect. We're in the middle of this world and 360 around you is nothing and no one, just you and the water and an endless silence. Um, And it's a very simple life. You eat, you sleep, you row, you repeat. There is absolutely nothing else to do. Um, But we wanted to be very competitive. So we started out with a routine where you would row for three hours and then rest for one hour. And we did that for the first four days to really get ahead um, of the, the other 36 boats or the 35 boats that was in the same competition. We really want to be competitive in that we really wanted to win the females cup because for the first time in the race history, there was a woman's cup as well. So we had our eye on it and we pushed really hard for it. Um, so, Yeah, the routine of three hours on, one hour off. We could only do that for about four days. And then we slipped into a two hour on, two hour off. And then towards the end of the race, we realized that we were actually second um, in position for the women's cup. So we switched back to the three hours on one hour off again for the last four or five days um and it paid off because we won the females cup out of eight females team um the first 10 days I can tell you exactly what happened because it was Christmas it was New Year's you kind of settle into life on the boat and everything is still great and exciting and I can tell you about the last 10 days of the race because that's when we really had to focus and going kind to of dig deep because you're so tired and so knackered but you know you wanted so much to win so we just we you know pushed a bit but everything in between so anything the other 20 days in between time was irrelevant it was day it was night you rode you slept you ate so yeah very very mixed kind of feedback what I can say from the crossing but it was absolutely um, definitely the hardest thing I've ever done but also the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life.
1: Sounds incredible. Um, terrifying, but incredible. What what would you say the high points were for you at the, at the crossing?
2: There are so many. I think every day in 40 days had a high for me. But to, to flag a few for you was the wildlife. You cannot get away from the wildlife. We had whales, we had dolphins that would follow you. We had sharks that would follow you, <laughs> um, and they're the ones you just like. Please stop following us. Please just go away. We we really like seeing you, but then leave us alone, please, because you 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 feel very 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 small when you have a shark um, peeping its its um, nose. Or you definitely see the fin following you around. We saw turtles. We saw tuna, um, marlin, um, and we had birds every single day of the crossing. Um, a combination of species, but definitely birds every day. And, and that just blew our minds because they have nowhere to land. There's not really much food for them out there, but they, they were quite curious and they followed us. Um, we also had a lot of run-ins with the flying fish. People think it's a myth. It is not. They exist and they hurt and they smell. Um, but we got hit by flying fish and the heads on the legs, behind the back, um, especially at night time. And I think they were attracted by the moon reflecting off of our boat. In terms of the water, we had significant waves where it was sometimes like, you know, <laughs> how are we going to get over this one? Um, but because the boat was built in, it's quite a small boat, eight meters long, one and a half meters wide, you're just like a cork popping over the, the wave um, without real issues. Um, and we quickly learned how to surf the waves as well. So, on on an average boat speed, uh, we looked about 2.5, 2.8 for the entire crossing. But then when you hit the massive waves and you did a proper surf, you would hit 12, 13 knots. So you can only imagine that sheer enjoyment and excitement of actually moving fast. (laughs) Um, Because for most of it, you have no, you've got no mark. It doesn't feel like you're moving anyway, because everything just looks exactly the same, no matter where you are on the ocean. But then for the other parts, we had flats, where if I tell you the ocean was as flat as a as a swimming pool there was no ripples it almost looked like a mirror where the only ripples that we could see were those that we created with our oars in the boat and at night time you would have the most amazing sky and this the stars would often reflect back onto the water it is just the most amazing thing that I've ever seen in my entire life and I definitely want to see again to be honest with you but then in terms of the my team sure some people cross the Atlantic solo um, and I have a respect for them, but that's something I'll never do. For me, it's about the team. It's about sharing all of these moments with someone. When you see the whales, when you see the sharks, when you see the skylines, it's having someone there with you to experience it. And then, obviously, now we, that's all we talk about. And our families and friends are getting fed up with it. But we we were still very much caught in that moment. So another highlight I would say is definitely my team, where we we got to know each other intimately because there wasn't a lot of space to hide. But I I can, like I said, I can talk about this for hours, but I would say those are definitely the highlights that I, that I always look back on.
1: Incredible. And what about the low points?
2: Oh, <laughs> 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Um, that shift got me every single night. You would think that maybe after a couple of weeks, you would ease into to the rhythm. And I just struggled whenever my alarm went off, so that I can start rowing at 3 a.m. It was always dark. Um, it was in the middle of the night. My mind, my body were just screaming at me like you should be sleeping. Why are you doing this? Um, I definitely had a lot of fights with my alarm, desperate not to wake up. But you have to, because if I if I snoozed or I was slept, that main Jane, my my member that I swapped with would have to row longer. So And then you find yourself on deck and you're tired and your hands are sore and you're just like, why can't I be that person that just wants to sit on the beach and drink binacoladas? Why am I here? And then you just feel the breeze on your skin and you would just row and you can feel moving and you can actually feel that you still have so much energy to give. Um, So there was an up to it as well, but the low definitely was that 3am, tired, absolutely not possible to see past the next two hours, but somehow you... You find it in you and you row again. And then at the end of the of the stint, you eat again. And, you know, it's a new day and it's amazing.
1: <laughs> and you made it. So how did it feel when you got there? You hit dry land. What was it like?
2: It was hand and heart the most amazing experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, there's a recording of us coming in. And if you find it online or you have the time to watch it, you literally hear me scream like a mad woman. Um, the, the sure enjoyment, the, the happiness just to see other people, um, it felt like I'd won the lottery 10 times over. I was so excited just to see people. And um, as an extrovert, I definitely feed off of energy. And we were greeted with so much energy from the locals and family and friends that I nearly lost my head. <laughs> um, when you see land and you realize that you've just crossed the Atlantic in 40 days, it is an immense feeling of just pride, happiness, a bit of our overwhelming and out of body experience as well. It's, it's very difficult to explain, but ex- excited out
1: of the world. And you mentioned the people. So how did people react? How did your friends react? Colleagues, relatives?
2: Well, so they fluctuate between two responses. Either you are absolutely insane or you are absolutely inspiring. My family support me 100%. My dad just prevented me from going to the moon. But other than that, he's happy for me to do whatever I want to do. So very supportive. Um, couldn't have asked for, for better support from them. Friends as well. They, um, they realised, especially through the training and building up to it, it took a lot of our time. So they knew that the role was kind of priority and it's something that we had to work towards. So they they supported me remotely wherever they can. But, yeah, people's reactions. People come up to us and just cry. Or they would just come up to you and just hug you. Um, some people would tell you their sad stories and how inspirational you were, and you, you just kind of get into this this turmoil emotion. But it's it's just such a rewarding thing. Um, every time I talk about it, still it just rewards me ten times over. So, yeah, people think we're insane or inspiring. I say it's somewhere in the middle.
1: <laughs> okay, so is it a once in a lifetime experience, or is it something you do again?
2: If you asked me that question when I stepped on land for the first time, I told you I'm absolutely never doing that again. But now that everything is sunk in, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, I want to do the Pacific next. Uh, not the whole Pacific, a part of it. You go from California to Hawaii, that's another race. Um, but you learn so much about yourself, about the boat, about the ocean, um, and its skills that you, you can take. Um, anywhere. So why would I just want to do that once? I'm, I'm definitely up for a second time.
1: Okay, and we talked a bit about your professional experience at the start. So are there lessons that you learned from this experience that you can kind of use in the rest of your career?
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, we, we all, in a corporate world, you you do a lot of class sessions around team building and supporting each other and playing to each other's strengths. And I think as soon as you are four people on a very small boat in a very big ocean, it becomes a reality. You absolutely have to play to each other's strengths. You cannot try and do it all. Um, And if someone's just not good at something, they're just not going to get it done. So playing to strengths, understanding who can do what when and just let them do it. Also allowing people to have downtime, off time. We talked a little bit about those lows. I think our natural reaction is to try and fix someone or try and fix a problem. And sometimes you just have to give them a little bit of space so that they can work through something themselves and and they will find a solution in themselves. And then also check-ins. We had a daily team meeting, um, where we, we scored each other on, on from a scale from one to 10, where one is, I want to get off this boat and swim back to land versus 10 is, I'm the happiest person alive, I can do this forever. So just that, that honesty scale and check in and hearing people out. And if they just want to complain about something, just let them speak. So yeah, I think those are the key bits in terms of teamwork, play to strengths. And just give people sometimes a bit of space because it's okay to have a down moment but you shouldn't build a house in that down moment if you know what i mean
1: okay and i think you said um that people either consider you to be insane or inspiring so i'll go with inspiring do you have any final words for people that are considering undertaking something like that a sort of daunting ch- challenge like that absolutely
2: and it's it sounds so simple when you say it but it's honestly true just do it Um, We had COVID, we had costs, we had so many challenges against us and we just stuck it out and we just kept on going, just took it one day at a time. Um, Don't wait for for another time. Don't wait for a better time in your life or in your career. If you want to do something, do it. And it's going to be hard and you're going to make mistakes and sometimes you're going to feel like you want to give up. But if you just fixate on your goal, do what you want to do and just drive forward, it will happen. And the reward pays off hand on heart.
1: Thank you. Um, As I said, I'll say it again, inspiring. Um, I think we could talk about this for ages, but that's probably all that we've got time for today. So all that remains is for me to say thank you. um, Thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of the Business Behind Sport, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Just search for Ankura. You can follow all our latest insights and find out how we are supporting clients to reduce risk and protect business value by visiting Ancura.com.